KXNO Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Cotton in the Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us for the next hour. Kenny White, uh, live from Las Vegas, KennyWhiteSports.com with the NFL beginning tomorrow. We'll get his takes as to what to look for. Uh, for those of you who are new, perhaps, to the sports wagering game, uh, get uh, some tips from one of the exports. What to see in the early part of the season. We'll get his uh, latest on college football as well. KennyWhiteSports.com. For years, he set the lines for all of the properties um, in Las Vegas, or certainly most of them. I would say it's not an exaggeration to say 80% of them. Uh, he set the lines at Las Vegas Sports Consultants for a whole long time. He's very knowledgeable, and he'll join us momentarily. Uh, David Kaplan, in about 15 minutes, we'll get Cappy in here. We'll go around Chicago sports with David Kaplan. He's courtesy of Centurion Stone of Iowa. And then Bill Bender from the Sporting News. College football writer at the Sporting News. We'll have Bill Bender in his regular spot. Kenny White joins the program. Uh, Kenny, good to talk to you. Trent and Ken, how are you, sir? Hi, Trent and Ken. I'm doing great. I uh, hope you guys had a successful weekend. And uh, I've heard the Iowa sports books have now topped the Nevada betting handle. Well, you know what? They certainly have on two of the teams, I would assume, and the needle movers in the Iowa State and Iowa. You know, a bigger picture with college sports, and I want to pick your brain on what to look for early in the season NFL. As we know, the curtain goes up tomorrow. But I guess your biggest takeaway from everybody seeing the field in week number one, uh, what did you learn, either positive or neg- negative, uh, about how you saw things prior to the season. Boy, there's so much. That's, you know, it's blanket statement, basically. I know what you're asking me, but, you know, I, I've got a laundry list of, of things. And you said, what do you look for early in the season? I, I look for consistency on the notes that I have and how I expect the games to be played. And if they're played differently, then I've got to kind of investigate it. Example, Michigan, I... You know, everything I read, up-tempo offense, fast, pace. Now, early in the year, these big-name schools are going to play vanilla football. So it's going to be curious to me. I, I do a average play uh, seconds per play per team to find out who's playing fast, who's playing slow. And Michigan came out 25 seconds uh, uh, per play, um, a little higher than the average. The average like 24 and a half seconds between plays for each team. So I was expecting them to be... 18, 19 seconds and be up there with the fastest teams in the country. Uh, the teams that played the fastest, Florida State, Texas Tech, Arkansas State, Massachusetts played fast, Oregon State, Missouri, Boston College, UCLA. Those are all teams played less than 20 seconds of play. Michigan goes about 25 um, per play. And to give that perspective, this weekend's games, Iowa, 30.4 seconds per play between plays against Miami of Ohio and Rutgers, 29.3 seconds. That was against the UMass team, who was going as fast mm-hmm. as they possibly could. So we got two slow teams playing each other this weekend. That would say the under certainly deserves a look there in Iowa City. Conditions look very good. Speaking of that, when you're handicapping win uh, totals, how much does weather play in? There's 
A lot of schools of thought win very important for a lot of people out there, a lot of pros that are putting it together. How much does weather go into consideration when you're looking at those totals? Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot, uh, and, and it's fair. It's a science because the turf, depending on the turf, the rain, the wind, and how it, how it uh, how that wind blows is is a different story as well in a lot of stadiums. Obviously, in Kinnick, it's a big stadium. You get swirling winds, uh, which that uh, knocks passes down. Other stadiums that are open ended, when the wind's blowing end zone to end zone. That, that helps scoring. That promotes more scoring because it's definitely going to hurt one team. It creates great field position for another team. Coaches play to that at the end of quarters if they got the wind to their back and they want to use it. Or if, or if their opponent has the wind to their back and they got a third and long, coaches will call a timeout just to make that team uh, force them to change field position, to, to change sides of the field, to punt into that steady wind. So uh, it's, it's, um, a science that you really got to know that, like I said, the playing surfaces are very important because rain on a PAT surface, which very few now have the PAT. I love the PAT because it's prescription athletic turf and it, it's got great drainage. So sometimes it doesn't matter how much rain, the field still has great footing and it's a little slippery, but it's better for the offense. And then a lot of these new turfs, it used to be turf fields. If it rained, it was great for the offense, but it's kind of changed. These turfs kind of get sticky and, it uh, slows kind of the players down a little bit and actually gives an advantage to the defenses. So you just got to make your notes on each each team and uh, keep adding to those notes and try to you know refer back to them to make money. You know, to, to make money, and so few do. There's so much that goes into it and just amazes me every time we talk to you, Kenny, some of the stuff that you throw out there in order to give yourself a better opportunity. One more on college, then we'll get to the NFL. Give me a team in the Big Ten and likewise with the Big 12 who you adjusted either positive or negative after you've seen them in, in week number one. Just one school uh, from both of those conferences, if you would. Uh, Big Ten, I'm going to have to say probably uh, Northwestern. I, I raised them up. I, they, they lost the game. They lost 17-7, a really bad beat. But that, they actually outplayed um, Stanford, I thought, in the game. Uh, they're they're going to have a good football team. I raised them up a couple points, and I love Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, Big 12, um, standing Pat on my, my belief that Texas is overrated. Uh, they had... Uh, their game against Louisiana Tech, first six drives for La Tech. Two times they lost the ball in downs after long drives on fourth and shorts. They didn't make it. Uh, maybe bend but don't break defense for Texas. Two missed field goals after long drives. And a fumble loss and an interception. So their first six drives, La Tech did not punt. And they did not score. And they'd racked up about 200 and some yards in mm-hmm. total offense. So uh, completely misleading box score on Texas and La Tech. Put that away for yourselves. Louisiana Tech will beat up on teams in their conference. They're very, very good in Texas. You know, we'll find out what they're made of this weekend. Mm, what did you think of Oklahoma? Last thing on I'm going to get to the NFL in a minute, I oh, swear no, to God. Yeah, I can't, uh, Lincoln Riley, just, you know, amazing. Again, I came up with, uh, you know, I said Jalen Hurts beginning of the year at 12 to 1 I thought was a very live Heisman Trophy candidate because of the offense that he's going to be playing in and he did not let me down had three touchdown passes was a high completion percentage then he runs for 100 and plus yards with with a couple more touchdowns maybe it was three I think he had six touchdowns uh he put himself on the forefront of the Heisman Trophy race with Lincoln Riley and that offensive line played extremely well for for Oklahoma for four new starters on that line 
but they're talented, and they're just going to get better every week. You mentioned Iowa playing with a slow pace. No surprise there. Anything else for the Hawkeyes or the Cyclones needing triple overtime to get past you and I? Anything changed for you when you look at Iowa and Iowa State going forward? Absolutely not. I knew Northern Iowa would give a, a great battle to, to Iowa State, and Iowa State was a little unlucky. They they uh, outgained, They really shut down Northern Iowa, 3.6 yards per play. Their defense was outstanding. They just couldn't get it going offensively, and that's always been Northern Iowa's strength is their defense. So it didn't surprise me that it was a, a slow, low-scoring game, a slug-em-out battle. Northern Iowa didn't turn the ball over, so... You know, kudos to them. It's the fundamentals. That coach has been there forever, and they play with fundamentals. Uh, be hard for them this week. They're a 26, 24-point favorite over Southern Utah, who got beat up by UNLV. They they only got 4.3 yards of play versus UNLV, and they allowed 7.3. So Northern Iowa should have a field day um, against Utah, Southern Utah. The other one, uh, Rutgers, very surprising. McLean McCarter, uh, former Texas Tech quarterback. He threw two INTs, but he actually looked good. The lefty was uh, serviceable, and they averaged 7.4 yards of play for Rutgers. But, again, I think they'll play slow. I think Iowa's defense will be enough to overcome, but Iowa's got Iowa State on deck, so maybe they'll be looking ahead a little bit. But I do like that game under the 50 just because the – the pace of play, I think, is going to be uh, extremely slow from both teams. Interesting. So, what do we? You know, I'm not sure what we or you guys as as, as pros out in the desert can learn in preseason. So, so help me out as far as NFL, what you can learn in preseason, especially now, as you know, Kenny. So many teams just not flat out not playing their guys uh, for a, a significant portion of the season. And how will you approach week number one in the NFL? I'd like to can make sure that preseason's almost like um, exhibition baseball season where, you know, the quarterback's the most important guy. Well, the pitcher's the most important guy in baseball. So I'd like to make sure my pitchers get at least 20 innings of work in the preseason. If they don't and they go into their first start without that, I know they're not going to be there to their top A-level game. Same thing in the NFL. If quarterbacks don't get enough snaps, enough throws – to have that continuity and timing with their wide receivers, I like to take a couple points off that first game. Case in point, Jared Goff for the Rams. They don't play him in preseason. That team struggled with the Raiders last year opening week. I think they could struggle again with Carolina in week one. And Carolina, Cam Newton coming off shoulder surgery. You don't know what you're going to get from him. You know you're not going to get your A game. So I like to just take off take off points for quarterbacks. I can't add anything because nobody's going to really get any better because of preseason. But I will take points off the, the teams because of the quarterback if they haven't had enough snaps or reps in preseason. Interesting. Anything jumping off the page as we await kickoff tomorrow night? Any? We talked college futures a week or two ago, Kenny. Anything on the NFL still standing out with all the juice that certainly moved here over the last month or two? Yeah, there. You know, there's um, a, a lot of numbers. Bal- Baltimore is a seven-point favorite on the road at Miami, which is very high. Ba- I, I think Baltimore kind of plays to the level of the competition. Um, they won every preseason game again, and I, I just don't know if they can overcome that. Uh, that's a big number seven. I, these are professional football players. Miami's bad. They are the worst team in the NFL. But Fitzpatrick's a serviceable quarterback, and, and Miami's had plenty of time to game plan. For Lamar Jackson, and we we saw what San Diego did to him last year. Uh, he did well against uh, non-playoff teams. Against playoff teams, Lamar Jackson really struggled, meaning against better defenses. So uh, seven, I thought was too up, but you can wait on that. Obviously, I think it's going to go up to seven and a half, maybe because the general public 
is going to be all over Baltimore. Um, the other one is uh, Tennessee. Really like their football team. I think they're going to be good. Uh, and Cleveland, I think, is a little overrated. You know, five and a half point favorite from Cleveland. What have they really done yet? Mm. To, you know, I think justify that type of number. So those are two that stick out to me. Even Indianapolis, I think that team's going to play hard. Uh, the, that's a big number too. Uh, the Chargers have zero home field. Um, Indianapolis quarterback played so much in the preseason. He might have played enough that I could have improved his rating because he got more experience where Philip Rivers barely played. So, uh, if at all, I can't remember. I got to go look at my notes, but I don't know if Philip Rivers played in the preseason. So there's one of those spots. Uh, he probably didn't play enough that he's going to be have that continuity with, with his receivers. KennyWhiteSports.com, uh, what have you got going on NFL-wise? And it's never too late to buy the college uh, uh, power ratings because you update it constantly. Yeah, thank you, Kenny. Yeah, the co- I mean, the book's good for all year, but I will have an ebook for the NFL with jam-packed of information up. It should be up this afternoon. It's taken forever. You know, this whole book thing's new to me. Next year, these all my magazines will be out two months in advance of the start of season. But there's so much in the NFL book uh, with point spreads, with uh, with um, money line charts, with frequency scoring, first quarter frequency, second quarter frequency, second half frequency, first half frequencies, um, just all those tendencies that happen at football games. There's a lot of great stuff. The second half stuff, I had covered a bunch of stuff for team stuff, too, that's in the book. So uh, it's well worth it. I, I believe we settled on a price point of fourteen ninety nine. And that could be used all year, obviously, for the trends that I have in there. It's uh, worth, worth the money. It's, it's a minimum investment to help you guys uh, get ahead. Kenny, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate yep. it. KennyWhiteSports.com is where you can find it. Take care. Thanks, yep, good to talk to you. KennyWhiteSports.com as uh, we go uh, inside the numbers. We'll go inside Chicago sports with David Kaplan. He's next. It's 1460. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back as we continue on here in the 11 o'clock hour. Still to come, Bill Bender, Sporting News. We'll talk college football from a Nationals perspective with Bill Bender and his regular spot. Speaking of regular spots, it's Wednesday. That means David Kaplan joins the program. Brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. CenturionStoneofIowa.com. Cap, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, pal. How are you? I am doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Well, a couple of uh, new old faces in the lineup last night, Cappy. Contreras behind the plate, but maybe more importantly, Zobrist, who's been with the club uh, uh, throughout the weekend, uh, finally got some playing time last night. Fans went crazy when he was introduced for the first time when he came up in the uh, first inning in the leadoff spot. Uh, what does Zobrist do to this Cubs team? How are they different with him, A, on the team, and then B, in the lineup? Well, they're different because he's one of the leaders in that room, and he's a stabilizing, calming presence. And then, you know, you saw his approach at the plate. A guy who hadn't played in the big leagues in, what, four months? Looked pretty solid, pretty locked in as he was grinding each at-bat, you know, seeing five pitches in an at-bat. And that's different than what we've seen from some of these Cubs hitters. So it was a really good thing to see him there, and I think people were excited to have him around He's just a good dude. And, you know, to hear his press conference the other day, and he talked about his faith in God and trying to heal his marriage. And he came to the plate. What was his walk-up song? It was the song that his, you know, wife sang. No kidding. Yeah. And so whatever has gone on is their business. I wish them well. I'm a big Ben Zobers fan. I think he's a quality human being. And 
He obviously has had some things he's had to deal with in his personal life, but he certainly does it with class. That's interesting, absolutely. Another guy back, Wilson Contreras, showed some pop. A couple of hits in the game, including a big blast. Contreras back there. Caratini's been swinging a good stick. It's nice to have two good catchers, isn't it? Oh, my God. You know, you look and you actually have three. Because yeah, Lucroy is a bad. professional catcher. Mm-hmm. He may not be the greatest offensive force anymore, but he is a professional catcher back there. and Guys love throwing to him. So you've got three options. I don't know what they'll do for the postseason, whether they'll have all three or not. We'll see where we're at the end of the month if they make it. But, uh, yeah, to have all those guys, and Caratini picked up the slack big time while Wilson was down. He was really good offensively in that win over Jacob DeGrom. So, yeah, it's really good to see what they've been able to do with this roster. Lester, yesterday, veteran presence on that mound. Cappy's in trouble. I think he had three bases loaded situations, was able to, to get through them all. He didn't give up an earned run, threw 110 pitches, struck out nine guys. Sure, he walked four, but that's the veteran on the mound last night. When it could have got bad, uh, he was able to buckle down and get out of those jams. He was. Uh, the one thing I would say to you is, and we talked about it on the post game. Yes, he wriggled off the hook. Yes, he had bases loaded three different times. But that Seattle Mariners team is awful. I mean awful. Yeah, they're bad. And I, lo- I love their manager. I love Scott Service. He's got no chance. I mean, he's literally going into battle with one arm tied behind his back and the other one is like a slingshot. He's got no chance. So can John put those guys on this weekend against Milwaukee? Might not work out as well. Could John do that against the Nationals in a wild card start if he makes it? Might not work out that well. What if he does it in the NLDS against the Dodgers? Probably wouldn't end well for him. Hmm. So, yeah, I'll take I'll take the win. They needed the win to keep pace with the Cardinals, who would just keep rolling. But there were some concerning things with putting all those runners on. Fair points. You know, Cappy, before we brought you on, Ken and I were just talking amongst ourselves a little bit about the Cubs and the look forward and what they're going to have contract-wise. Hamels comes off the book after this year. Ben Zobris comes off the book. So there's $32.5 million right there. What do you expect this free agency period when we get to the offseason? I know it's a long ways ahead, but payroll flexibility, a little bit more certainly than they had this year. Well, when you look at the Cubs, you know, I keep hearing, well, they didn't have any flexibility. Well, whose problem is that? That's the front <laughs> office's problem. They're the ones that signed Darvish for 126, and he's been okay. They signed Chatwood for 39. They signed Morrow in one of the worst signings you could make for mm-hmm. 22. They signed Jason Hayward for 184. I mean, all I know is that when I bring up spot track and it lists player payroll for 2019, I see the Red Sox one and the Cubs two. Cubs are at 218 point whatever. And if they want to complain they don't have any flexibility, please don't tell me the owner wants to spend money. He gave you $218 million, and if you have these holes on your roster or you can't make moves in the offseason for whatever reason, that's no one's fault but the front office. Now, is a managerial change coming? I would bet that it is. Uh, they're going to have some flexibility because Zobris money falls off the books. Strope's money falls off the books. Cole Hamill's money falls off the books. And there's a handful of others. So you're going to have about $60 million coming off of that payroll. But that's fine because you're going to have raises built in yeah. for certain guys who are you know, arbitration eligible, whether that's Wilson Contreras or Javi Baez or Chris Bryant or Kyle Schwarber, who's got 30-some home runs and may get into the 40s by the end of the season. We don't know. So 
they're going to have some of that money eaten up. They better make astute signings. And if you don't bring Hamels back, is Adbert Alzali ready to roll? I don't know if he's an everyday starter that will be as quality as Cole Hamels. So they've got some issues here that they have to address, and I don't know how they're going to do it. Well, and the reason we brought it up, Cap, talking about off-air, was uh, just because Castellanos is just a t- an incredible uh, piece coming over at the trade deadline. I mean, where would this team be without him? They have to keep him. I have to believe he wants to be there. He certainly said all the right things. Uh, he loves playing for the Cubs. He loves his uh, go- going to Wrigley Field and playing in front of that fan base. He has to be priority number one, is he not? I would think. I would be surprised if he isn't priority number one, but how much are you paying him? You know, if he keeps hitting, of course you want him to do that, but as he keeps doing that, the price tag you would think keeps going up. And are you going to, what if he says to you, yeah, I want uh, six years at 120. Are you giving him a six-year deal? I'm not. Now, if he wants to go three for 60, yeah, I probably would do that. I probably would because he's so important. But he's got Scott Boris. Mm. So is he out for the best situation? Because the best situation is right there where he's playing now. Just look at the numbers. He had, I believe, 11 home runs as a Tiger in 100 games. He's got 12 home runs as a Cub in like 30 games. So where is a better situation than he's going to find here? It doesn't exist. But if he's only in it for the last dollar, well, then he's probably not going to be playing. Which is what Scott Boros tends to uh, lean towards. Cap, last thing on the Cubs, and we'll get to the Bears who open tomorrow night. Cubs are off today. I think it's perfect timing-wise. Baez hasn't played in the last two games. He uh, he left the game uh, over the weekend, uh, sliding into second base, aggravated a thumb. Uh, Bryant's out of the lineup, apparently with a knee issue. Uh, prognosis on those two. Is, is one of them uh, potentially going to linger longer than uh, some believe it will? I guess uh, where I'm going is Bryant's maybe a little bit more severe than is being let on? Uh, I believe that Bryant is more severe than being let on because if you go back to July 26th, pretty large sample size, I think he's a 229 hitter. He was scratched from the lineup yesterday with that right knee soreness. He did it in the batting cage at San Francisco, and if you're telling me here we are six weeks later, five weeks later, it's probably more of an issue than they've let on, and it's probably the reason that you don't see him with the type of power and the type of drive that we're used to seeing. But then the question gets asked, well, is this guy injury-prone? Because he had some issues he had to deal with in 17. He missed almost a third or half the season in 18. And now here we are in 19. And if you watch him hit, you can't tell me his lower body is driving into the baseball like he did in 15 and 16 when he was taking the league by storm. So, that concerns me more than Javi. Javi seems to be more of an acute, I hurt my thumb. Now, is that going to be healed in time to be impactful in the month of September? Because if you look at Javi's numbers in their losses, brutal. His numbers in their wins, excellent. Where he goes from here with a thumb injury where he said it really hurt him to grip the bat, that doesn't go away overnight. So both concern me. We talk a lot, Cap, about the Bears and their importance in Chicago there's always anticipation for football season, I know, over there. But this one, most anticipated season for the Bears since, I don't know, the year after the Super Bowl back in 2006. Is is that a fair characterization? Say that again. Is this the most anticipated Bears season since that Super Bowl run? Oh, I thought you were saying, is the Cubs 
month. Most <laughs> this is the most anticipated Bears game that I have witnessed and will witness since Mike Ditka was here, other than <laughs> that one year they ran to the Super Bowl because the mm-hmm. team was good. But Lovey didn't engender that, oh, my God, here we go. Right. But Erlacher and those guys did, so they had a really good team. But when Ditka was here, man, you woke up every Sunday – and it was all in even for the casual fan. Ozzie Guillen did that for the White Sox. The Cubs did that with Joe Madden and their guys. This whole city is absolutely alive, buzzing. They cannot wait for tomorrow night. And I'm predicting the Bears win the game something like 27-13. They're going to win the game by double digits, I believe. And cover, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> Cap, I'm looking forward to watching them uh, unveil David Montgomery uh, in the uh, – you know, National Football League fan, football league fans, or football fans rather, that maybe don't know David Montgomery and what he meant to Iowa State and what kind of career he had behind an offensive line who was uh, subpar his entire career. Uh, I think he's going to burst on the scene. This, this, he could have a rookie of the year type campaign. That's saying a lot, but I think he's that good. Yeah, and they're really excited. Uh, I was talking to Ryan Pace off the air, and he said, you know, Matt and I watched tape on a lot of guys. They like the kid coming out of Auburn, Josh Jacobs, who ended up going late first round to Oakland mm-hmm. with, ironically, the Bears pick that they traded in the Khalil Mack deal. But he said, we love David Montgomery, and we did not think he was going to be there if we didn't move up. And it turned out he wouldn't have been because the next pick became the Singletary kid out of Florida Atlantic. But he said, as we watched the tape, we went, that's our guy. That's what we want. He said, now we got him in the camp. He said, we are light years beyond that. He is an amazing worker. He has assimilated himself into their culture, he said, seamlessly. He said, and as a football player, we couldn't be happier. So this is going to be a big year for him. Last thing, Cap, we'll let you go. 10-6, and 11-5, and 12-4. and Where are you on the season win total? Yeah, I actually had said 11-5 and five or better. I'm leaning more like 12-4, and four, but I do believe this is not me speaking from the heart. I truly believe this team can win the Super Bowl this year. Chiefs, Bears. That would move the needle in Des Moines. <laughs> no doubt about it. Cappy, It'd be amazing. It really would. Cappy, great stuff. Thank you, pal. You guys do have a wonderful day. Go Bears! <laughs> Talk to you later, David Kaplan. ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports uh, Chicago. He's brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone, centurionstoneofiowa.com, whether you're looking for natural manufactured stone to accent or update your exterior or your interior project of any size, Centurion Stone offers a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. Check them out online, Centurion Stone of Iowa, or better yet, visit the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street. You can go to their website centurion stone of iowa as soon as you land on the site right in the middle of it you can tell us about your project so they can get a head start with helping you centurion stone of iowa makes it possible uh for us to speak with cappy all right trent are you uh 12 and 4 11 and 5 was cappy the leaning 12 and 4 he thinks this is a super bowl team i know you're reluctant to go there with Mm -hmm. teams that you root for but boy this feels like if they panero can kick well, yeah, which that, that, we're that's talking a big about a Bears step. kicker, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if Trubisky takes another baby step forward, and I like him, I like him better than you do. I think David Montgomery's going to have a monster year behind that offensive line. I think the Vikings are the team that they're going to have to outfinish in the North. I've come around to your way of thinking there. I think it's the uh, Vikings and the Packers. Hopefully, both of the teams can. I mean, can you imagine if 
the Vikes and the Packers, both are playoff teams in the NFC. The Chiefs come out of the AFC. Mm. I mean, we're going to be farting in high cotton here in Central Iowa talking sports, right? That's what we are hoping for. My concern, not only the kicker position, Trubisky still taking those steps forward. The defense has to take a step back, I think, from what they were a year ago. They just were so ridiculously mm-hmm. good. You lose Vic Fangio. I think that's an impact there. I'm not a big Pagano guy. The schedule is much more difficult this year than it was last season. Saints, Chargers, Eagles, some of the crossovers, Rams that they have this year, Cowboys late, Chiefs. I mean, it's a really difficult schedule, plus all the games that you have inside the division there. So I, I'm certainly not at 11-5. and five. I'm more... Nine and seven. Oh make come the on! Playoffs? They'll be better than nine and seven. I don't. Where's know. their first loss? Help find their first loss. The first game that really, I think they'll beat the Packers. I don't know if they'll win by fourteen, but I'm with, I, I'm with Cap. I think they win despite the fact we haven't seen much of them in preseason. Week two, they're at Denver. That's a win. Week no. three. Oh come on! It, week, it's no, week, week three at Redskins. So you think Denver's going to pick them off? Sixteen twelve. It'll just be some stupid game. Trubisky really? will have three picks. He'll get hit on the blind side, be out for a quarter. Something will happen in uh, that one. See, I think the I think the most logical, and I'm not even sure I'm willing to go there. They've got they've got a whole bunch of home games, four home games in a row. Vikings on the 29th, uh, Raiders follow that one, then the Saints, then the Chargers, then they go to the Eagles. I mean, that five game stretch right there. I think they go into that unbeaten, which would put them at three and zero. And then Vikings, Raiders, Saints, Chargers, Eagles, yeesh. That's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. And they need to get off to a good start. As you mentioned, the schedule early on. Can't afford a home loss to the Packers, obviously, tomorrow night. You at least have to split those next two road games at the very least. Washington's awful. They should be, yes. Vikings at home, again. Division at home, you can't afford to lose those. At the Raiders, at the Raiders or home to Raiders? At the Raiders. Gotcha. Are you... Because this one, it's a noon kickoff. How can the game be at Raiders at noon? Is that game played somewhere outside the country? That will be in Tottenham Stadium. There you go. There's the answer. There is your answer for that one. By week after they come back from England and then, uh, yeah, the Saints, Chargers, Eagles. Ah, I, I just... I'm kind of back and forth. I'm back and forth with this team at times. You know, the Lions, they play them in Thanksgiving. They got it last year, but we've seen funky things no, happen in absolutely. that game. If, just, if the Lions are going to upset our, our cover as spread as a dog, it's Thanksgiving. And then their last four. Well, if the Chiefs they, when Stump jumps off the page, their final home game of the regular season at Soldier Field. Cowboys, who could be at that point, good. No, I think they will be. I agree. Packers on the road. Not easy. Home for Kansas City and at the Vikings as they seemingly always play the last game of the year now up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Better have your head above water going into that final stretch. No, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm with. I'm leaning to you. I'm not going to go as as drastic as you on the bottom end of the scale. I don't think nine and seven. I maybe ten and six would be bottom rung for me, just because you. That's a fair point, Trent. The the schedule is daunting. That last four pack. Cowboys are a playoff team. Packers will be close. Chiefs maybe the best team in the AFC. Vikings. I think they're a playoff team. Ooh, not easy. Uh, Bill Bender's coming up next. We'll move from the program to the college game. Bill Bender joins us every Wednesday at this time. Of course, you can read him at SportingNews.com. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. K- Wendy's. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Final 10 minutes of the program. Let's spend it with our buddy Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He covers college football. National College Football Writer, SportingNews.com is where you can read Bill. Bill, let's overreact, shall we? Good to talk to you, Bill Bender. What did you learn from this past weekend? Maybe um, maybe something you got right, maybe something you didn't see coming. LSU was impressive. That was my biggest takeaway. The passing game added to what they already had talent-wise, and they take that passing game into Texas this weekend. So I'm in good growth. Big opportunity for him to step into the Heisman discussion if they if he leaves a big win there. Um, you know, I think other than that, Maryland was really good. They mm-hmm. put up a ton of points. Uh, Nebraska a little bit slower start, and they're going to have to play better in Colorado. And you know, the rest pretty much the top still down. Yeah, it was an interesting week. Iowa State was the only team really pushed out of the top twenty-five. Their triple overtime game against you and I here on the local front. That loss to Oregon certainly going to sting, and I think the Big Twelve, uh, Pac twelve, excuse me, get a sting along with it. When you look at this conference as a whole, it hasn't made the college football playoff in a couple of years now. Maybe heading the same path again this season. Is it dire straits and the Pac twelve going forward? What is this conference? Is it moving its way maybe closer to the American Athletic Conference oh. than being considered a Power Five? In some ways, but I don't, you know, when USC's right, it's not like that. I thought Oregon played well, it just didn't finish. Right. Um, you know, they had, a, they had a lot of opportunities to win that football game, and they, they just didn't finish and get a drive or two in there that would have made the difference. Um, Washington's fine. Washington's so is Utah. Well. I mean, yeah, Utah's fine. Uh, you know, USC could be better, and I mean, when that happens, and those schools are legitimate playoff contenders, then, um, you know, then we'll be at a, a spot where we can start talking about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 certainly needs to start winning some of those big games to be taken more seriously. Yeah, I'm with you, Bill, and I think you identified the two teams at the top of that conference. I think Washington's legit. I'm convinced Utah is. You know, it still bothers me. I wish DirecTV and the and the Pac-12 network uh, would get their act together. Zach Moss had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's off to a terrific start. He's one of those guys that, you know, the Pac-12's out of sight, out of mind. We don't see some of the really, truly gifted college players because of that very thing. But we did see Jalen Hurts in his new role boy oh boy that was um, that was eye-opening to me bill i mean this is a guy that had lost his job and comes in and looks as good as he did at a marquee program like oklahoma oklahoma for real the way that defense showed in week number one can they be a playoff team well they've been a yeah they can be a playoff team regardless of their defense and they've showed that right but i think with jalen he adds a little bit of a extra dimension in the run game better passer than i'd probably give him credit for um fits well in the scheme and then you couple i mean lincoln riley might as well just coach the sooners and the cowboys at the same time i mean he's he's a heck of a quarterback coach so i mean the one thing i've watched though he can't i was telling my wife she's an oklahoma fan that you know he can't run it that many times or he'll get hurt and uh he has to learn how to slide be careful protect his body if he does all those things he's going to be fine he is. This Oklahoma team looks very good. Texas with the big one on tap. They Oof. dominated La Tech and one that a lot of people are keeping an eye on. Tom Herman as an underdog. LSU coming to town. One of the most anticipated games of the week. Expectations for this one should be a great one coming up Saturday evening. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun game. You know, I think both those teams, obviously. Uh, Texas is a, a team that really 
can can make a big statement here with Sam Allen, quarterback, with what they've got, uh, having LSU come in there, a big time SEC program, and you know, and LSU can make the same statement on the road with Joe Burrow, and and uh, I think this one has the earmarks of game of the year. Wow! Uh, just with with that kind of backdrop, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to play intense. Plus, they they've taken a couple jabs at each other, being neighboring states on the recruiting <laughs> trail, so. There's a lot to that one, and it's, it goes beyond just what's going on between the lines. I mean, it will affect the recruiting battles between the two states as well. Yeah, you're 100% right, and there's been a little bit of trash talk back and forth uh, coming into it, and you calling it the game of the year, and if you want to read his prediction, Bill's preview is up at sportingnews.com. I'm not going to spoil it. You should click on it and read it because it's not. It's more than a prediction. It's a what to watch for trends, etc. Sportingnews.com for that one. Uh, of course, uh, Clemson off to a terrific start uh, as, as we thought that they would be. At the end, has he got a chance? I mean, we, we, Trevor Lawrence is spectacular, uh, but... Uh, well, they, and I hate to look ahead to the Heisman so far, but, but I mean, Etienne was unbelievable. I'm not sure he's the best running back in the country, or that kid in Wisconsin and Madison's mm-hmm. pretty good, but he's certainly in the conversation, right, as the, as, as the game's best running backs? Sure, yeah, and he's been that way for a while, and I think, uh, you know, if they let a running back win the Heisman, he's one of the most quietly efficient, proficient, productive players in the country, you know, 8.1 yards per carry, 8.1 carries every time he does that, he scores a touchdown. I mean, it's very rare to have a running back of that quality. Probably a better Heisman bet than Trevor Lawrence, which is crazy to say, although we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to put up some big numbers in that offense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be right in the mix, but it's just become so incredibly difficult for a running back to win the Heisman. Uh, Taylor's team, Wisconsin. Did you see anything that you didn't expect out of them? I mean, the Bill, we were in Chicago. I know he had to pass this year, but it was nobody was talking about Wisconsin in the West. It was, you know, there's a lot of obviously Nebraska love and some Iowa love and some Gophers and don't overlook the Wildcats because when you do, you know where they are. And look at what Wisconsin did on on uh, opening week. They are clearly a threat, and I think a lot of people overlooked them, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to get the ball to Jonathan Taylor every way possible. They've shown that. And uh, if they keep doing that, um, you know, they'll have a chance to, to accomplish those goals. I still think they need to be more than Jonathan Taylor. They're going to have a big test with the Wolverines here in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, it's part of that. The news slot in Big Ten country is pretty good this weekend with Michigan playing Army and Ohio State playing Cincinnati, uh, Maryland's playing Syracuse. Uh, you know, that name slot often gets mocked, but I think it's the most interesting time slot for the conference this weekend. And you're going so to be Brent, there. Does Iowa play Rutgers at noon or 3? Yes. No, noon. Noon, yeah, noon Eastern. Yep. Yeah, there's another one. Yep. I mean, Rutgers looks better. I agree. So, so, I mean, we'll see if they're, you know, they had a running back score four touchdowns last week. So, we'll see if they're able to, you know, build on that momentum in Iowa City. I, I think I was going to blow them out, but, you know, we'll see. You're going to be in Ann Arbor. Army coming in. They put a scare into Oklahoma a year ago. One double-digit games. Throttled Houston in the bowl game with Ed Oliver. Is this going to be a tight game? Are you going to see a good one, or is this a laugher by the fourth quarter? We'll see, but I, I think with Army, uh, I think it be something in between. Like, Army will hang around, but Michigan will pull away. And, you know, games like that, it's been telling people if Michigan jumps on them fourteen nothing, then yeah, it's there's not going to be much to it. If it's seventeen fourteen at halftime, then there might be some fingernails getting chewed on in the big house. But I, I still think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan was a little uneven; they they they're a little floppy with the football. But you can see in that offense when Shea has time and he throws it around a little bit, 
it can be pretty dynamic, and that's what they should be doing. They've got some good receivers to throw the football to. A group of five teams, Bill, you'll see when I picked Army before the season to be the best one. I'm not sure that I got that right. Boise State with their true freshman quarterback, uh, Brock Meyer, I think as I say his name, was terrific. Memphis, I think, is loaded. Group of five, uh, at the top of your list would be whom? Well, Memphis and UCF right now, and Cincinnati with an opportunity to yep. get one against uh, High State. I don't think they're going to win, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they show up for that one. So, I mean, those are the ones. The American Athletic Conference got some good teams. Memphis was impressive last weekend. And, you know, it's an opportunity for Army as an independent, like I said, if they win this one, start to look at their schedule and say, man, they might go undefeated. But, uh, yeah, those are the, that, this is their spotlight. No doubt about it. Bill Bender, SportingNews.com. Bill, thank you. Sorry we were a couple of minutes late. We'll try and do better for next week. Appreciate you coming on, as always. Thank you, Bill Bender. Hey, hey, hey go pack go, right? <laughs> no, that sounds awful. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, God, See you later. See you, Bill. Bill Bender, Green Bay fan, hardcore yes. Green Bay fan. And, of course, you know where Trent's allegiances lie. And uh, our teams will be facing each other week two. You have no expectations for your Broncos. Tank for Tua is my expectation. Oh, you think they're going to get it right? No. No. I don't. They'll mess around and win seven games and pick eleventh. Drew Locke. Who's he's on he's on the shelf for the first eight weeks. Yes. But he'll be back by the back half of the schedule. Yeah, probably, and, you know, they need to play him. They and then yeah, play turn him. it over to him and see what you got. It's all right, Trent. I wouldn't sign away those three that the Broncos were able to put in the trophy case. Very true. Indeed. Since I've been new on the air here, that's a pretty good run. Uh, <clears throat> no doubt about that. All right. Uh, Murph and Andy come your way at two. The Fanatics at four. We're busy tomorrow. If you're a Nebraska fan, we'll get Sipple in here. Uh, we'll do Iowa and Iowa State. What else we don't? Oh, Lee Sterling at 1045 yes. tomorrow. That'll be fun as well as we uh, launch an NFL season on a Thursday night. Tomorrow morning, the local programming begins as it always does with the morning rush at 6. Miller and Condon, glad you're with us. It's 1460 K.